But we begin tonight at Parliament, where all MPs will get to vote on whether 16-year-olds can go to the ballot box in the general election. In the past hour, the Prime Minister has announced the government will draft a new law lowering the voting age to 16 following a Supreme Court ruling today. In the historic decision, the court declared the voting age of 18 to be discriminatory to 16- and 17-year-olds. 16-year-olds are able to leave school, learn to drive, get a job and pay tax. The Make It 16 group argued 16- and 70-year-olds also make adult decisions and preventing them from voting until 18 was unjustified age discrimination. Here's what the Prime Minister had to say. Cabinet has resolved to draft a piece of legislation with a proposal to lower the age of voting for 16 for the whole of Parliament to consider. Now I cannot tell you currently how any member of this House will vote on this proposed law, including Labour, as we have not met or discussed it as a caucus. What I can tell you is that this is a matter where I hope parties feel that they are able to have an open debate and discussion that isn't based on politics, but on their own values and principles. Tepidamia Jacinda Ardern. Make It 16 took their case all the way to the country's top court after earlier losing bids both at the High Court and the Court of Appeal. Crystal Gibbons reports on the case that's forced Parliament's hand. Inside a Wellington courtroom today, members of Make It 16 nervously awaited Justice Alan France's decision. Emotions running high as the Supreme Court agreed the current voting laws are breaching the Bill of Rights Act. These inconsistencies have not been justified in terms of Section 5 of the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act. Make It 16 leader Anika Green, who is 17 years old, says the result has been a long time coming. We were all so nervous because we had no idea which way this was going to go, but we were really hopeful about the Supreme Court issuing a declaration of inconsistency. And of course, yes, there were tears afterwards and some hugs because it's been such a long journey and we're just so happy to have got to here. Make It 16 campaign co-director Caden Tipler says a voting age of 18 cannot be justified as 16 and 17-year-olds make adult decisions. The 17-year-old says the group has been saying for years it's a breach of human rights. And now the courts have backed us. I don't think it can get any more serious than being a breach of human rights and we urge Parliament to take this very seriously. Parliament will now hold a special debate on whether to lower the age. But for the law to change, a 75% majority must be reached. National leader Christopher Luxon says his party supports the status quo. You can pick a line anywhere around the world uh, and you know, people you know, pick lots of different ages and stages. Uh, from us, we just think 18, there's nothing wrong with what we've got uh, selected as it is today and it's perfectly fine. But Green MP Golrez Garaman says shifting the voting age to 16 would strengthen our democracy and bring New Zealand in line with a handful of other countries. We've got the Supreme Court telling us that the rights of New Zealanders are being breached pursuant to our Bill of Rights Act. So it's actually time to say we work for a democracy first and foremost and we need to strengthen it. There's uh, parliaments, you know, in, in Canada, Scotland, all over the EU that have already done this. It's not a huge deal and it keeps New Zealand in line with the kind of modern inclusive democracy that we want to be. Caden Tipler says politicians will be letting down rangatahi across the country if they don't lower the voting age. If they don't, then Parliament is upholding a human rights violation within Aotearoa, and that simply isn't good enough. They say the group will continue campaigning until the voting age is lowered.
And Graham Edgler is one of a team of lawyers who worked on the case for Make It 16, and he joins us now. Kia ora, Graham. Kia ora. Swift action from the Prime Minister this afternoon announced that they're drafting legislation to lower the voting age. Everybody in Parliament will get a vote on it. What's your response to that? I think I'm pleased, and it sounded like my clients are pleased as well. I'm on holiday at the moment, so I had not had a chance to see them. Um, but uh, it, it is good news for, for, for them, certainly, that Parliament will have not just sort of a debate, but an actual vote on, on this question. Do you have a view on whether it could fit the criteria for a conscience vote? Or should? It, it, it doesn't fit the sort of historical criteria. There is, it's not really a sort of personal moral question type thing. Um, the, certainly the voting age votes that we had in 1969 when it reduced to 20 and 1974 when it reduced to 18, which it currently is now, uh, those weren't conscience votes. And so it's not really a question of, you know, you know sort of historically the conscience votes were, you know, we shouldn't force someone to vote for something where they might end up going to hell, which, you know, questions of the death penalty. If I'm personally responsible for someone's death and I think God tells me that I shouldn't kill, you know, forcing an MP to vote that way, that's seen as yeah, sort of a step too far. I don't think this is, this is really in that area. It's something on which parties should probably have a policy, uh, whether that is, you know, to vote for it or against it. How quickly do you think things can be changed if there is a will to make change? Uh, I don't think it can seriously happen that it would lower the voting age for the next parliamentary election, which will be next year. Um, but it certainly could vote, uh, lower the voting age for the next local elections in three years' time and, and certainly the, the parliamentary election after that. I think the Prime Minister was clear any change wouldn't happen um, for the next election because, you know, this goes through an ordinary process, even if they were introduce it in, you know, in a week or two. You know, it could take six months at select committee and then we're getting awfully close to the election where, you know, Enrolment has already started happening and the Electoral Commission has already sort of got its systems in place. So I would, the government has been clear and I'm not surprised that it won't happen before the next parliamentary election, but it could certainly happen before the one after that and could very much happen for the next local elections, given that lowering the voting age for local elections is, is quite a bit simpler than lowering it for parliamentary elections. Yeah, can you explain that, Graham, so people understand the difference? So the, the Prime Minister is saying that you need a supermajority to change it for um, uh, central government elections, so 75% or, or more. What's the deal with local government? The local government, uh, it's just a majority in the House, just like most other laws. You know, if... Uh, if you know, one more MP votes in favour of it and votes against it, it can become the law. So it's something that you know, Labour wouldn't need any other party's support, although hopefully that they might have a chance of getting it. Certainly the international experiences, a lot of countries um, tend to trial sort of a voting age change by lowering it for sort of national, uh, local elections or sub-national elections. So you had mentioned sort of Scotland, also Wales have, have voting at 16 for their, for their local elections and for their... Um, the local, the, the, the Welsh Parliament and the Scottish Parliament, um, but you know the United Kingdom Parliament as a whole doesn't, and so that's certainly something we can do first, as and something that's easier to do. So uh, that's a possible result, given you know what we just heard the, the leader of the National Party say. Graham, did did you all, and when I say all of you, I mean the legal team. Did you all volunteer your time, or how did this work? Uh, we we all volunteered our time. Yes. So what led uh, so you to we, this? We have not been paid. 
Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, I, I, I have uh, supported a lower voting age personally for a while. Obviously, you don't have to support your client's uh, position to act for them, um, but I thought this was a good cause, and it's something that I, I've thought was a good idea for a while, and uh, happy to do my part. You know, I sort of offered them some help when the, the, the campaign started up. They said, well, what help do you need? I can help you draft a bill. You try and get an MP to put a member's bill or something like that. And... Uh, then sort of the Taylor decision about uh, declaring human existence about voting rights came out and um, they thought, oh, we could try for one of those. And, um, smart smart group of teens, there. it sounds like. Absolutely. Much more impressive than I was at 16 or 17. I can certainly say that. Graham, do you know how many more voters this would create if it went through? Uh, it's not a vast number. I think it's, I'm not sure the exact number, but I think it's less than 200,000 uh, people at, at any one time who are 16 or 17. And so um, it might be able to swing a close election, but probably you know, won't make that much of a difference. Often at the first election, sort of evidence shows that people you know, don't vote all that differently from their parents. You know, certainly many will, um, as you know, often your couples vote differently. Um, you know, family isn't a guarantee, but uh, the international experiences it doesn't make a it doesn't make a very big difference in the result. Um, but it does make you know, sort of that hundred to two hundred thousand more people feel slightly more included uh, in the system, and, and hopefully that would be a good thing. One of the things that some people may raise is that this could lead to other age limits being challenged. Does it open the door for that? An example: alcohol. Uh, this particular decision, I don't think does. Um, any age that the government has got, or at least any age from 16 or higher, because importantly, and one of the things that New Zealand differs from other countries is we've got a Bill of Rights Act that says the government can't discriminate without a good reason. One of the reasons you can't discriminate on is age, and that starts at 16 in New Zealand, which sort of Canada and the UK and various other places which might have similar challenges like this don't have a hard rule of. 16 is the age at which age discrimination starts. And I think that was an important reason for the Supreme Court making its final decision was Parliament's decided 16 is the age at which you need a good reason to discriminate against someone on the basis of age. And in this particular case, the government didn't offer a good reason. They said in short, that uh, the courts shouldn't look at it, but if they do look at it, they didn't say there was a good reason. And so I think if it came up to alcohol or, or smoking or something like that, you would probably get the point where you know the government has done a pretty big you know uh, research and assessment process on what the, the alcohol age should be. There were law commission reports and all those sorts of things. So I suspect if someone did challenge the alcohol age the government would take a different approach to the, the litigation. No, we've got a really good reason why 16- and 17-year-olds shouldn't be able to drink and buy alcohol. And uh, we think those are good reasons that uh, justify the discrimination in that case. The problem in this case, um, so they didn't really try to justify it. They said, we think it's justified, um, but we can't tell you why, and we're not going to call it evidence to show it is. And in a declaration of a consistency case, once the claimants proved there was discrimination, it's up to the government to say, Here's the good reason for it. And in this case, they didn't. And I suspect in most of the other cases where you're thinking about age limits, um, the government would take a different approach. And it might be, you know, this is only really the second declaration of inconsistency case we've had. The government and the lawyers on the other side still are all learning about how the process is. And I suspect as we go forward with other cases around declarations of inconsistency, the government might take a different approach to what type of evidence it calls and what type of arguments it makes to say, this is a good idea why we did this. Um, Understood. The fact they yeah. didn't do this in this case has been a bit of a problem for them. Really interesting to talk to you, Graham. Thank you so much for your time. That is Graham Edgler, one of a team of lawyers who worked on that case for Make It 16.